chapter, the 18th verse. Millstone or milestone? Again, today I begin a series on the family, four weeks. Next week I'll be, today I'll be zeroing in on the parents. Next week on the children, the youth, especially those that are graduating. Okay, we're going to be dealing with the graduates. Matter of fact, next Sunday evening, I've been asked to speak at the Hayward High School Baccalaureate. And they're holding it and conducting it there in uh, the Presbyterian Church on Grove. So I'll be speaking there as well. And I'm already preparing a, that sermon for us next week and partial for them as well. Dealing with young people. And so, and then the following Sunday is Father's Day. I've called my father and I've asked him to be here. Uh, there's a possibility he has other plans, but he may uh, make an attempt to cancel them. So I think my dad was here and my mother were here for Mother's Day about a year ago. But I've asked my dad to come and, and be here for Father's Day. Then I'm going to allow him to speak Sunday night. You know, I'm going to allow my dad, you know. I've asked him if he would speak Sunday night. So, uh, uh, you know, hopefully he'll be here and you'll be able to hear him speak on Father's Day as well. Do you have Colossians 3? Verse 18 through chapters 4, verse 1 and 2. Wives, submit to your husbands as it is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, uh oh, here we go. Love your wives and do not be harsh with them or bitter. Children or young people, obey your parents in a few things. In what? In everything. For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, or parents, do not embitter your children or provoke your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters and everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men. Chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, provide your slaves or servants with what is right and fair, right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us. Let's pray. Father, I pray you utilize this half hour for the furtherance of your gospel, as I always do, the edification of your body, the glorification, Lord God, of salvation through souls. And we bless you and we pray to let us glean from your word and grow thereby to be the families that you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone together said, Shake hands one with another one more time prior to your being seated. You may have your seats. I told a little, how would you call it, story years ago about a kid, and I want to use it now, who walked into a department store, and he went up to the teller on the counter there, and he brought a shirt, and he says, I want to return this shirt because my parents like it. <laughs> uh, and that can often be the case. Uh, and I want to zero in today on, on parenting and children, the relationships between the two. Okay? Millstone or milestone. Now, the, the three verses that we read in Colossians, excuse me, the, the six, seven verses that we read there in Colossians, they had to do with relationships. Okay? Relationships between the wives and the husbands in verses 18 and 19. The children of the parents, verses 20 and 21. Then it has to do with the relationship of servants and their masters. The rest of the verses. Up to chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. 
And they, you know, and they, then they, it says there to cap off all these relationships with prayer. I'm not going to cover a lot about prayer, but it does say that. And I want to interject that. These relationships should be taken in stride with prayer. Now, a lot of young people are praying. I don't know about the parents. But I mean, at my house yesterday, man, they were praying up a storm. A lot of the youth were praying down some fire. So some of the youth are doing what they're supposed to do. Let's go on, parents. See, this whole passage, passage here, has to do with the family. This passage, Stephanie. Stephanie was reading my notes and she says, what's that word? It's passage. Uh, It's dealing with the family. And here Paul is pointing out that each individual within each relationship has certain duties and certain responsibilities. Are you with me? And they also have certain rights and benefits. So as a parent, you have duties and responsibilities, but you also have rights and benefits. As a child, you have duties and responsibilities, but you also have rights and benefits. And the same thing applies for husbands and wives, masters and servants. All these things that are afforded to you. See, Paul uses the example to show what he means by saying that while the wife's responsibility is to submit, then the husband's responsibility is to love, not to make her bitter. They have, both have responsibilities. So if women submit, then she'll reap love. She's supposed to. And by the same token, if children are to obey as their responsibility is, then the parents are not supposed to provoke the children to wrath as their responsibilities. Okay? So in other words, yes, parents have responsibilities, but so do children. Are you with me? In other words, they're supposed to be both give and take in the context of every Christian family. Listen to me what I said there. There's supposed to be a give and a take. A reaping and a sowing. A doing and a rewarding. Within the context of every Christian family. See, every Christian family should have a responsibility and a reward system. Did you hear that? Every family should have responsibility and reward system. You take out the trash. I won't hit you. No, I'm just kidding. What a reward, huh? You don't take out the papers and the trash. Then you don't get your spending cash. Yak it yak. How do you like that? Let's go on. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that's the way it's supposed to be. I said that just in case some of you are falling asleep here. See, if you as a parent or as a child or if you as a husband or as, as a wife, if you uphold to your responsibilities, my friend, then you're also supposed to reap the rewards of obedience and submission. If you, if you uphold your responsibilities, then you'll reap the benefits. See, by and large, most of us are very, very good at knowing and claiming our own rights. Are we not? But Paul is saying here in Colossians that we also need to be open and aware to the rights of others. Many of us will claim, and we know our rights. Hey, that's my right. I got a phone call. Uh, But we got to be aware of the rights and benefits of other individuals as well. Hallelujah. What a reward. I didn't even know who was coming. I just figured that, the, you know, the guys would take care of me. Hallelujah. Uh, but Walter knows what he's doing. All right. Okay, now, parents, you do have a right, certain rights, okay? But your children have rights as well. Are you with me, parents? I know the children are. I know they're listening. The children are going, ooh. Uh, the rabbit ears coming up right now. Yes, they are to obey. But you as parents 
are not supposed to provoke them to the point of discouragement. That's what the Bible says. Again, many and most of us are fast and furious when it comes time to claim our rights. But Paul is asking us, he's asking us, church, if we are just as fast in paying others their claims and their rights that they have on us. In other words, you're fast to claim your rights, but are you just as fast to claim your children's rights? Not too quick. Remember the guy in the parable that Christ talked about? The Bible says he owed the king an outrageous amount of money, and the king forgave him. Remember that? Then immediately when he left the courtroom, being forgiven of an atrocious amount of money, it was in the millions back in those days. He walks out of the courtroom, and he sees the guy that owes him, I think, about $9, 9 or $12. And he, and he drives the guy up. He says, hey, owe my money. No, 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 you can pay me right now. Ah, man, his rights. Well, that's how many of us can get even in the context of the family. When we're only wanting to claim our rights, but we can forget about the rights of the rest of the family. The rest of the family has rights. And we need to understand that. The Bible says here even slaves have rights. And when this was written back in those days, slaves didn't have too many rights. Not at all. Uh, this was a counterculture kind of a teaching. Then Paul says, even children have rights. Even children have rights. Come on, kids. God, I'm opening a big old amen door for you. Don't kick it down. Even this teaching was revolutionary way back then for the kids. For while Paul is saying that children are to be obedient to their parents. The parents are also supposed to stick to their duties as well and, and their responsibilities, which is not to provoke their children to discouragement. Again, this was rather a startling teaching back in the days because the power that was given to a Roman father in those days was almost unlimited. They could almost do anything they wanted to. Everybody had to sit in the back seat. Uh, they, you know, they, they had run of the house or run of the mill, so to speak. Millstones. Now, yes, we're living in a time when children are pretty much, you know, they want to have their own way. I know that. But back in the days when I was growing up, it's nothing new. Matter of fact, that's what the Bible is saying. Even in Paul's day, they were having trouble with the family and the children relationship with the parents. Uh, according to scriptures, that's the way things were back then. See, Paul is teaching here and also the word of God. That we all reap what we sow. Parents included. Did you listen to me, parents? You reap what you sow. The parents included as well. If parents are careful not to provoke nor discourage their children, then obedience and respect on the part of their children will come and it'll grow and it'll evolve a little bit easier. They'll, they'll obey you a little bit easier because you're not provoking them under discouragement. Paul is holding the parents responsible for their actions. That's what he's doing. See, I'm speaking here today regarding the duties of parents. And parents should more understand their duties than children should. In other words, kids aren't going to understand their duties that much. They're not going to take it as serious. But us as parents, we should. We need to understand what we're held accountable to under God's word and our responsibilities. Now, what Paul is telling the parents is saying... Insane, provoke not your children, that they be not discouraged, is very evident of what he's trying to tell us. He's telling parents that they can make children obey them, obey the parents, a lot easier 
If they give their children some space. I'm going to prove it to you right now. If you give your children some space. Not all the space. Some space. Uh, some kids want to be king. Man, if I were king, I'd run this. If I was a parent, I'd do, I'd, you know. I tell my kids all the time. And they don't like it. One of my favorite, and I know what I'm going to say right now. Uh, I tell them, Mia, when you become a mother, you can do that. You can let your daughter do everything she wants. Hey, there's got to be balance. There's got to be a give and take. I already said that. Uh, see, back in the times, in those days, when Paul was writing this to the Colossians, parents were a bit too overbearing. They were too provoking. The word discouraged in the Greek means, and if you're taking notes, write this one down. In the Greek, the word discouraged means disheartened, dispirited, broken spirit, or to lose heart. See, Paul is warning parents against provoking or irritating. Some of your translations say irritating the youth by constant overbearing. By constant interference. By constant fault finding. You're never going to amount to nothing. I'm not going to even ask you to raise your hands how many of you were told that. But most of the parents, you'll never, you'll always. It was always never and always. I couldn't figure out which one. I was either going to always or never. With me, you know. Uh, you'll never amount to nothing. You know, you, you're never, you, you know good, you, you need this and you need that. And too much overbearing. Too much provoking. Continually staying on their case and not giving them any space. You've got to give them some space. Because if not, they'll get disheartened. They'll, get, they'll lose heart. You know what kids will do? They'll have the what's the use kind of an attitude. I may as well use drugs. You better listen to someone here today. Even if you're a young person, you're going to be a parent someday. But I know what I'm telling you. Uh, the Bible clearly tells us how not to do these things. Why we're not supposed to do them. I would dare say every man in this home can identify with what I'm saying here today. Every one of the guys, because I, I, know, I know what we went through. You know, I, I took the what's the use kind of an attitude, careless kind of an attitude. A careless kind of an attitude, my friend, will produce terrible fruit in a person's life. So what? No liase. That was one of our sayings back in the penitentiary when I was there when, and doing time in the streets. You know, who gives a no liase? In other words, we don't have no concern. So what? That was my motto. So what? Years ago, and I've said it before, Back in L.A., back in the day, after school, they had a program, the Lloyd Thaxton Show. You remember, huh, John? I don't know if anybody else heard the Lloyd Thaxton. Uh, he used to do, uh, it was something else. But we all, you know what his theme song was? It was a, it was a song from, the, from some of my homeboys from Oxnard, the mixers, called, So What? There was just two words of the whole song. Dun, 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 dun. And then we say, so what? So what? Hey, crazy. That's why I believe in Christian music, by the way. Good Christian music with good words, good lyrics, good beats. Uh, I, I believe in that. Because that, that got ingrained in me. And so my motto was, Pineda, you're going to get busted. You're going to have to go to times and years in jail. Heroin's no good for you. That was it. What a terrible, careless attitude. 
But it all begins with our parents provoking our children. You know, you'll never amount to nothing. You're no good. All this stuff. Continually staying on their case. See, authority and discipline are good. But too much of this, without the balance and the giving of space and the opportunity for your children to think for themselves, it prevents growth. Man, I hope you heard what I just said right now. Give your kids space. Give them opportunity to think for themselves. If they're going to make mistakes, be there with them. But they're going to make mistakes. They're not, they're not perfect. Neither are, neither are we. See, your children will not be able to think too much for themselves. You know, my wife and I, we deal a lot with a lot of you people who want us to give you direction in all your decisions. Right, honey? A lot of you. Well, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And what do you think about that? I'm saying it's okay. Direction and authority are good, but to a certain extent. I would dare say that those of you that always want us to make every decision for you, you're the kind of people I'm talking about here today. You're the kind of people that your parents, we ain't that dumb. We've learned. We don't want to make every decision for you. We want you to grow up and, and be all that you can be in the army of God. We want you, we want you to, to think. God gave you faculties as well. Uh, we don't want to raise up stupid children. We ain't stupid. We want you to be sensible. We want you to exercise and say, look what I did with the power of God. And my parents allowed me to do that. Thank you, Dad. Thank you, Mom. Wow. But we were there watching you balance. Some of the times we have to correct you. Discipline you, punish you sometimes. But not all the time. Uh, man. See, I can tell that a number of you, you had parents that were overbearing. And provoking. See, provoking parents discourage children. That's what the Bible says. They discourage children. And children feel and believe they simply can't please their parents for nothing. When you discourage them, that's what happens with the kids. They think, man, what's the use? I can't please mom. I can't please dad for nothing. So, man, I may as well be a drug. I may as well hang out with so-and-so. I may as well go do this. I may as well go do I can't please them. Try as they may, parents are never quite satisfied. No matter what or how the children try. So why try? Listen, tell them, hey, listen, you got to correct this. You gotta, hey, I'm proud of you. You did this. You did that. That's great. But don't provoke them. Don't be overbearing. See, because when we do these things, kids lose heart. That's the definition of discouragement. They get dispirited. And by and large, they could try and Anything at all. What's the use? Why even try? Uh, they lose heart. What for? Uh, our father or mother is hardly ever pleased. Parents, feed your children's spirit. Don't kill it. That's what the Bible's saying right here. Feed their spirit. Don't kill their spirit. They lose heart. Be careful not to abort their potential and their future. I think this is a very powerful statement here. Don't abort their potential. Don't abort their future. Give them the sky is the limit. It's very important. To your daughters who have been told or treated like this, you know what will happen to some of the daughters that have been treated like this, provoked, discouraged? Some man who can spot this is going to come along and take full advantage of your daughter. He'll marry her and just take over where you left off. 
I've seen that. The woman, the mother, the girl just wants another, just like my dad, just like my mom. Bondage again. Women, don't you dare marry a man like that. Don't you dare marry a man that's going to be overbearing and jealous and protective and all that stuff. Just a little bit of jealous, you know. But not, not to the point, oh, where are you last? Where are you? Where'd you go right now? <laughs> Man, want to control. That's what I'm talking about, parents. Don't be wanting to control your kids. You're, you're already the father. You're already the mother. You're already the parent. Don't be so authoritative with them. See, but that individual that, that picks on a daughter like this, he'll come and see that you left her no space. You left her no opportunity to reach her full potential. And he'll come and be just as overburdening and overbearing and discouraging as you were. Listen to me. Listen to me good here, parents. All discipline, education, and authority, it all needs wise direction. Yes, you're the head. You're the boss. You're the person in charge. But don't abuse your authority. Bottom line, that's what Paul is saying. Don't abuse your authority, especially verbal authority, physical authority. That's what Paul is saying, and that's what the Bible is saying, telling us here in Colossians. Don't verbally and authoritatively abuse your children. Don't break their heart. That's the key to the sermon right here. Because that's what discouragement means. Dispirited. Broken hearted. Don't break the heart of your kids. I'm speaking for your children right now, parents. They got to have heart. You break their heart when you mess with them too much. You don't allow them, afford them to use the full capacity of the mind that God has given them and the heart God has given them. Let them contribute in the family. Don't break their spirit. Give them some space. Give them opportunity to think for themselves. So they make some selfish, foolish mistakes. Well, correct them in love. They're going to make some foolish mistakes. Kids aren't that experienced. No, you're not kids. No, kids think they know it all. That's what's wrong with our... our I was telling our leaders here today. We live in a country, because I travel to different parts of the world. But our kids, by the time they're 21, they're ready to be president. Wow, <laughs> I know it now. Uh, if I'm elected... Ah, but see, at least the kids will know that you gave them some opportunity. At least they'll know, they'll, they'll, they'll say, hey man, my dad gave me some space. I got to hand it to my parents. I got to hand it to my mom. See, with authority comes responsibility, parents. It comes. And every power that is given and put into the hands of any person carries with it the possibility of abuse. Anybody that's in a, in a position of power, the possibility of abuse is there. Hitler did it. Mussolini did it. Parents do it all the time. Because I said so. How come? Because I'm bigger than you. Might makes right. Ay, ay, ay. See, all people with authority can let power get to their heads. Parents included. See, God is not the author of confusion. And government and authority is good. And God ordained. Yes. The Bible says... You know, a man must rule or control his own household, and parents are to train their children, but a parent's job is to prepare children, not to provoke children. Did you hear me? Parent's job is to prepare the children, not to provoke them. Get them ready 
for life. See, we want to be able to present and graduate our children from our house, from our home, to the rest of the world. Ah, people who will make this world a better place. Not take this world to a bitter place. Now, you probably went over your head here. Let me repeat that again. We want to graduate our kids from our home. I just had my daughter's graduation. Some of you are going to be going to graduations this week, next week. But we want to have graduation ceremonies from our house, too. And we want them to graduate. We want to present them to the world, to make the world a better place, not to take the world to a bitter place. Because we're graduating kids out of our house that are taking this world to a bitter place. The world is full of bitterness. Let there not be, you know, an admonition against the church. Paul is telling us here in Colossians that children also have God-given rights. In Matthew 18, 6, you don't got to turn to it, it talks about if we mess with one of God's little children, it would be better that we had a millstone tied around our neck and thrown in the deepest of seas. And that would include the parents. See, dealing with youth is almost, no, <laughs> no, it is an art. Who wrote that almost in there? <laughs> uh, dealing with kids is an art. Not just any Johnny come lately can handle being a parent. They can't. I mean, whatever I said before, anybody can give a kid a remote. And there's your sofa. Sit down and make yourself at home. But don't make a quesadilla. <laughs> See, the reason why a parent's responsibilities and duties are important, they should be stressed. It should, I mean, what we're doing here, being a parent, is, is very, very vital, very important. See, marriage is not to be entered into Quickly and unadvisedly. Remember, we're human beings, not rabbits. Rabbits make babies left and right. And right and left. Huh? But we're not rabbits. We have responsibilities that, that come with, with bearing kids and children. See, parenting is quite a challenge. If you were to, to be too lenient with your children when they were small. And you spoiled them then you're going to have a tendency to be too mean and overbearing and provoking when they grow up. You're trying to correct. You're being too lenient and spoiling them, but it's too late when they're getting bigger now. Now you're trying to correct them. Man, maybe this will work. It could be too late. See, but once a child becomes a youth, it's important for the parents to start, you know, trusting both God and them with their own choices and with their own decisions. This is where faith comes in. Faith in God to watch over your children. Faith in your kids to depend upon God. And faith in the training that you gave them when they were younger. Here's where faith comes in. you got to trust God in faith with your kids. You can't play the role of God in your kids all their life. Mm. All of you, you know, whoever... We're dedicated to the God. You know what I'm talking about. That's what you do. When you dedicate a children, you're turning them over to God. See, the Bible says to train up a child, and when he is old, he will return or not depart from the Christian teaching. Love never fails. That's what the Bible is trying to tell us here. Sooner or later, they'll say to themselves, as the prodigal child said to himself, I will arise and go to my father. They know where love's at. They ain't dumb. 
Sooner or later, yes, your kids might rebel here. Yes, your children might do this. But sooner or later, if you brought them up in the ways and admonitions of God and in the love of God, sooner or later, they're going to be like the prodigal son and say, man, I will arise. I'm going to go back to moms. I'm going to go back to dads. I'm going to go back to church. I'm going to go back to God. I'm going to go back where love is. I ain't that stupid. No more. And they're going to come back. See, what Paul is telling parents of Colossians 3 is good advice and good admonishment. Paul is telling us to utilize justice, even and especially in the family. Justice. That's what I'm talking about. Let justice begin in the household of the Pineda family, of the Sanchez family. Justice begins in the house. See, be just and fair with your children. If you want to see a young person rebel, show him or her, show them any injustice. You want to see a rebel? Show them some injustice. And watch how they rebel. See, youth are very idealistic. Very idealistic. They love to stand up for what's right. And stick up for the person who's being run over or mistreated or provoked. You know what happened in Indonesia and Jakarta? It was young people, youth, coming against what? Injustice. 32 years of injustice. They said, enough is enough, man. See, youth are idealistic. They want what's best. They say, no, uh-uh. if I got to die, I'll die. Tiananmen Square, it was young people. It's youth. They're very idealistic. They hate injustice. And they won't stand for it in the home either. They won't. Kids have this inner sense for justice and for what's right. Parents, if you punish a kid for something that he didn't do, or if you show favoritism... To another one of their brothers or sisters, you better look out. I'm telling you right now, look out. If you're gonna have, if you have several children and you show favoritism to one, <laughs> then the others aren't gonna go for it. Uh, look at Benjamin and Joseph and his family. No way, kids. <laughs> now they can spot it when you're treating someone so better than the other one. Oh, she loves him more. She loves her more. See, kids stand up for injustice. They know that that's not right. Not at all. See, nothing can put, you know, a child on the course to rebellion faster than injustice. Nothing. They get on that course to rebellion in a hot second when it has to do with injustice. That's the reason why parenting is an art. It's not for whips. See, correction and discipline will be needed. But remember, love never, what? Fails. Let them know that you love them. Let them know you love them. If we provoke and, and discourage then we're going to reap the whirlwind. We're going to reap rebellion to the max. See, our families, our world, our church needs the strength and the idealism of youth. That's what our world needs. That's what our church needs. We need to give them space and opportunity to reach their milestones within their lives. Not to have millstones placed around our necks because we've been selfish, because we've been lazy and overbearing. You know what overbearing, provoking, and over-severity does to young people? It causes them to grow up, as I said earlier, too fast. That's what it does. They grow old before their time. We rob them of their hopes and of their dreams. And this, my friend, is a danger of the older people with the authority. We hold them down. We clip their wings rather than believing and trusting on them and giving them opportunity and space. Good leaders and good parents allow those under them to reach their full potential. Some of you are going to go on and pastor a bigger and better church than this one. 
Because that's why I want you to grow up. I don't want to say, oh, no, 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 no. I gotta, this guy's got too much potential. I got to keep him down. That's not a good spiritual parent. But the same thing applies for a physical parent. Allow them space to go on to do bigger and better things. The sky's the limit. See, it's important to keep good open communication with your children. If not, they're going to lose your input. They're going to lose your experience, your wisdom, your knowledge. Because there's no good communication. See, I would say that there probably are very few things greater in life than to see a child who can openly and honestly communicate and talk with his or her parents. It's great. When you see them talking, wow, look at this. Wholesomeness, healthiness. But by the same token, there probably is nothing worse than to see a child who's unable to communicate with his parents. God, that's so terrible. They're, just, they're sitting in the car just... The man isn't a great one. You know, you got to... Be careful, watch the road. Okay. Yeah, but what, you, what happened over there? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not going to wreck. I'll be okay. Yeah. Uh, kids. I, I, I trip on kids that don't have that kind of relationship with their parents. When they see people that do, they're like... You know what I, I see in their heart? Because their heart has been broken. I wish I had that. Man, I wish I had that. Uh, see, character in a child is developed by two things. You gotta, I got to give you this and I'm going to close. Character in children is developed two ways. Number one is intervention. Good intervention. Loving intervention. And by non-intervention. That's how character is developed. By Good intervention and non-intervention. Give them some space. Give them some time. You got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Kenny Rogers, 1960s. Uh, it's the same thing. In, I'm telling you, being a parent, you're gambling. It's an art. You got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them. And you got to know when to scold them. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, and you got to know when you let, gotta let them be bold. Give them some space. That's how characters develop in a child. By intervention. No, Johnny. Johnny, okay. And not, mm, you know, let him, I'm going to let him, I'm going to teach him a lesson here. I'm going to let him, I'm going to give him, oh, look at what he did. Mom, mom, look what I did. Ah. See, this is actually a biblical mixture of both faith and works. Faith without works is dead, right? That's what the Bible says. This, what I'm talking about here is a mixture of faith and works. Your children need both. Intervention and non-intervention. Faith in letting them, my friend, you know, uh, have their, their, their own way at times. Mistakes and all. And works that are going to intervene and say, no son, no daughter, that's not the way it's done. It's not the way it's supposed to go. Faith and works. Having faith in them and showing them works by intervening when you have to. See, our homes have been designed by God to be the setting from which our children can and do receive most guidance for the rest of their lives. Our children need the law of love. The law of love. Don't, 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 don't. I know this sermon's been a little more lengthier than most of the times, but don't, don't fall asleep on me here. Our children need the law of love. Works and faith. A balance. They need milestones, not millstones. They need us to both be to be both strong and sweet. Did you hear that? You need to be both strong and sweet. Tough and tender. 
See, church, parenthood is no doubt, my friend, the highest form of leadership on this planet. It is. Being a leader in your house. So much fruit can be produced for the kingdom of God while working among your very own children. Christianity is built on the home life. It's built on families. Remember when God would say, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and he included the whole family. God includes everybody. He's the God of Stephen, Josie, but also of their children and their children's children to be. Uh, God includes, and he's into the whole family. Again, we're going to be going on a series on the family. I pray that you take heed. I pray that we'll learn. Today we're beginning with parents, which godly, it, it makes sense. We should. And I pray that we learn some things. Some of you guys in the home, learn these things and go out and be the father you're supposed to be when God tells you to. <laughs> some guys say, hey, did you hear Pastor Steve? I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking the tape. Righteously taking it because I ain't got no money. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, Ay, ay, ay. No, no, no. You sit, eat your mush, and hush. And wait. Uh, we got to learn, people. We got to learn about being parents, being responsible. You have your duties, but you have your rewards. You have your rights, but they have their rights too. That's what Paul is telling us here. Praise God for a, a wise individual like Paul. Uh, Family is a give and take. The law of love. Never fails. I want every head bowed and every eye closed, please. Characters built by intervention and non-intervention. You got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. We need good parents, people. We need good parents. We need great parents. We need parents that are willing to try. We need parents that are willing to learn. We need parents that are willing to put themselves in the hands of God and say, God, teach me. Teach me to be the father, the mother, the parent you desire me to be. We need to graduate kids into our society that'll make the world a better place, not a bitter place. How many homes throughout America have teenagers that are old beyond their age? And I would dare say it's not their fault. It's not. It's the fault of a selfish parent. The Bible's designed to get rid of selfishness, as I've said many times. I want to pray right now for those of you that are parents or children that God has ministered to your life here today. Very important sermon for me. Let your children reach milestones in their lives. Accomplishments. That's what it's talking about. Look what I was able to do. Thank you, Dad. Even if they don't say thank you, you, like God, understand that you brought them up. You would you invested in their lives and let them go be all they can be. But I would dare say, if you're selfish, you're going to be selfish. If you're not selfish, you're going to have a hard time trying to be selfish. But hopefully they won't be. Is every hitter's body in the right close? Spirit of God, moving in.